when I was in college, I, my girlfriend and I broke up. And I just started listening to pretty much whatever I had on my iPhone at the time. And I heard Badlands. And around that time, I'd been to about a dozen shows at that time, by that time in my life. And Badlands was always that song at the end where you're like, oh, oh yeah, sure. and, and, but I'd never really like truly understood what it really meant because at that time I had missed out on two job opportunities. My girlfriend of a couple of years and I broke up. I really didn't know what I was doing with like anything. And I ended up spur of the moment going and getting some lyrics from that tattooed on my arm in a rather large amount. everyone and welcome to a new episode of set lusting bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson joining me tonight is a fan of two of my favorite subjects mark not only is a springsteen fan but he is also a doctor who fan so i don't know where we're gonna go except i think we both would agree that if we had the tardis we would use it to go to every springsteen show in the past and present i would agree with that <laughs> okay very nice mark welcome to the show tell us a little about yourself my name is mark i'm from st louis missouri i 33 years old i'm a corrections lieutenant for the st louis county jails we could do a whole hour podcast on the stories I have from that. I bet. Um, it's uh, my dad introduced me to Springsteen, and I've just been running with it ever since. Like you said, I'm a Doctor Who fan, along with a Supernatural and Star Wars nerd. I got just about every base on that covered. Yeah. But yeah, it just uh, depends on what type of mood of music I'm in, and I'm listening to a different era of Springsteen pretty much every single week. Nice. So, who's, who's your doctor? The best thing that I, the best way that I described it was you loved, you, you learned to love the doctor with David Tennant, but you loved Matt Smith as the doctor. Yeah. So that's, that's where I was at with it. I didn't, unfortunately, I haven't seen a lot of Capaldi as a doctor. I stopped about halfway through my life, got a little too crazy to where I can't, I can't take in new shows, I guess is the best way. I, I put on stuff that's just mindless TV at this point. Once I get a break and everything i'll be able to get caught up on all that. i really like christopher eggleston too i wish he had gotten a longer run some creative differences with moffat there so it made um, life a little difficult. so in my next stop everywhere doctor who podcast that we do charles and i my co-host always say that we go back and we watch classic who and then when the new who is on we do an episode every week about the new who and every time we do an eccleson episode we both go that yes, we would have loved more Matt Smith, we would have loved more David Tennant. I love uh -huh. Capaldi, I love Jody, but Eccleston only getting one season just seems so just he could have done I, so much more. And I think a lot of it was just his his style was so much more standoffish than everybody else's to where yeah. it took a longer time for Rose to actually become a companion and everything like that. And I think that was the even the first, those first four or five series that are in the new regenerations and everything, I like those significantly more than I like the other ones. I was not a gigantic Clara fan. I really just, 
I thought that was played out too much at the end of Matt Smith. But when they started getting to two or three companions and everything, I started losing interest in everything because it was no longer the doctor. It was like everybody else, hmm. which I like the dynamics that the doctor had with Rose, with with uh, Dr. Donna, all that fun stuff. I liked all of those. And I liked the early Clara stuff. I really didn't care yeah. for the ending of it. Yeah, I I am excited about Tenet coming back. The new as the fourteenth Doctor, not the tenth Doctor, yep. back. I I I I feel excited about Russell T. Davids having to be able to take a break and then coming mm-hmm. back with a fresh new energy. I'm looking forward to it, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm yeah. very excited for all that stuff. I think that's when I'll rewatch everything else to get yeah. caught up. Again. It's more I have to have something. I need to sit down and watch it, but I have. 17-month-old twins that pretty much run my life, along with an 18-year-old and an 11-year-old. Wow, that's a gap. That is a gap. Yeah, that is exciting. That is another right story we could have. Uh, (laughs) All right, so you mentioned your father. So I always like to start at the beginning. Talk to me about growing up. Where did you grow up? And what kind of music did your family listen to, your mom and your dad? What were you listening to as a kid? I grew up in St. Louis. I pretty much have stayed here my entire life, with the exception of going to college. I went to in South Dakota, so okay. I kind of got as far away and as much coldness away that as I could from St. Louis, but I came back. My mom's musical choices are not ones that coincide with anybody else in the family. Okay. She pretty much listens to, like, Tracy Chapman-type music, but I like Tracy Chapman, but she listens to, like, Nora Jones of that nature. But since I could walk, my dad had an old school record player and he was blasting Bruce Spring. He put on U2, Bruce Coburn, let's see, Bob Dylan, old school Beatles. I think he's still got a white album, which I think is worth enough money for him to retire on, but I don't think he's going to sell that. And I just listened to a lot of older stuff. I never really listened to like regular music. It sounds harsher than it is, but my parents were not a... We didn't have cable. If I wanted a CD player, I had to buy it on my own. If I wanted a video game system, I had to buy it on my own. Okay. We had radios in the house, but it wasn't really like we put it on to listen to the pop radio stations that were around and everything. So we listened to pretty much their collection. It stuck really with me and my sister. We listened to a lot of older stuff. My brother has his own soul. He listens to Bruce, but not near as much as we do. Okay. uh, Yeah, I just kept listening and kept listening and then. What really got me is I, when we got a computer in the house, I found a torrent website that I could download literally any live version of Springsteen that I could. And I just started downloading major concerts that my dad would always talk mm-hmm. uh, and started listening. And that's what got me really hooked. I, that And that really wasn't about my senior year in high school when I got super involved. Yeah, because I always like to ask the question, when did you first discover Bruce and what about him spoke to you? But you are a second generation, and I've had that multiple times on the podcast, and it's one of those things where, well, when did you first discover that your parents used Tide? Or mm-hmm. you know, when did, when did you discover that your parents were St. Louis Cardinal fans? If, yep. uh, it's just, it's been there forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you mentioned finding those, the ability to download shows. It Was there a moment where this became more than just your father's music, but it became your music? Yeah, I would say it, it was a long game. It probably happened between 18 and 22, 23, the year I graduated college. Um, my dad was at a Springsteen show in St. Louis. 
it would have had to have, whatever tour was after the famous story where he went home and ate like some kind of pie or watermelon or something like that with the St. Louis family after a movie or something. They just happened to right. see him like, hey, you want to come home? So it was the tour after that. I can't remember which one that was. He uh, was sitting like fifth or sixth row and his brother and Springsteen jumped off the stage and ran up the aisle. And my dad got real excited. My uncle was like holding my dad like right here. I managed to track that down. I have it on a CD somewhere in my house. I can't remember where I put it. And that was a way for me to like bond with the younger version of my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> I actually, when I was in college, I, my girlfriend and I broke up. And I just started listening to pretty much whatever I had on my iPhone at the time. And I heard Badlands. And around that time, I'd been to about a dozen shows at that time by that time in my life and badlands was always that song at the end where you're like oh, oh yeah like, sure. and, and but i never really like truly understood what it really meant because at that time i had missed out on two job opportunities my girlfriend of a couple of years and i broke up i really didn't know what i was doing with like anything and i ended up spur of the moment going and getting some lyrics from that tattooed on my arm in a rather large amount that, okay. Um, <laughs> it went. It made it. It made the commitment to me getting a lot of tattoos pretty prominent because at first they were all covered by my shirt. Now I have a full sleeve, and that was a all right. Well, if I want it, I'm going to do it, and I just need to do it. I'm not going to sit around waiting for everything to come to me. I'm going to go and make that happen for myself. And then that's when I got really, really involved in the lyrics and the structures of his albums and things of that nature. Um, now, unfortunately, he hasn't really put out anything. He was, to- he was touring. When I moved back home, he was touring with the, the Born to Run album, the River album, Darkness album, like that. He was touring with all those and just playing those in the full amounts. He hadn't put out a real E Street Band record in a while when I got home. But while I was in college, he had done Wrecking Ball. So I saw that I went to a conference with my dad on that. And you could tell my dad was like, this is a different involvement in the music than he was in just as a kid. Because yeah. at first it was just something for me and my dad to do, and now it turned a, a little bit morphed into kind of my own. Yeah, that's good. All right, so I'm going to get you back in a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's hold just for a quick break, listeners. Hang tight. We're going to come back with Mark, and I'm going to talk to him about going to live shows, favorite records, other things. Hang tight. We'll be back in just a minute. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So 
What are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right. And we're back with Mark. Thank you so much. I always like to preface this. You've mentioned a little bit about shows you've attended and a lot of them were because your parental unit was taking you and then you picked Mm -hmm. your own i always preface this the amount of shows you've seen is not a fair barometer of what how big of a fan you are there (laughs) are so many other reasons that can call people can be huge fans and have never had a chance to see him there's people that just from where they live they've had a chance to see tons but for the record do you count Yes, I think I am at 13. Okay, very nice. And have you got to go on this tour? No, unfortunately, I got COVID, which is why I was sitting around scrolling Twitter, and then that's how we connected. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try a last-minute ditch at going to see him at Wrigley. That might be something I grab my dad and just drive up and do. I've actually only been to shows with my father and other members of my family. Finding a person to go to Springsteen in my age group is... (laughs) <laughs> not something that is a very well-known thing. Um, so it's usually with my dad. But yeah, we've been to, so we've been to 14 together, and then I don't even know how many he's been to as far as, uh, as far as before then. That's got to be Astro. The So I went to Dallas, then Houston, then Austin, and had tickets for Tulsa. And then I came back from Tulsa. Was, Austin was Thursday night. I get home Friday. I work all day. And then I get home and I'm not feeling good. And I wake up Saturday morning and I go, okay, you've gone to three concerts with 50,000 people. Let's grab the COVID <laughs> test just immediately. You know how they'll say on the little home test, you may have to look yep. at the line. Nope. Mine yep. was bright. Uh, so yeah. we had, we ended up having to not go to Tulsa. So yeah, I, I'm, I hope regularly will be great. I'm, I that is a show that I would love to go see that I've never been to that venue so it sounds a lot of fun. I I actually have been for a Springsteen okay. concert. Oh um, good. Tell me a little about that. So that's actually the fav- my favorite concert that I've seen. It was it Wrecking Ball that came out right after or that came out after Clarence died. Yeah. It was the first tour that he did with Jay uh, with the E Street had, Orchestra, right? Yep. And we had seats first row on the second deck directly behind home plate. And the way that they do the concerts at Wrigley is it's out in the, the stage is out in the center field grass. So we yeah. were dead center and we had view of every single jumbotron. I had nobody in front of me. We just, it, it was awesome. The atmosphere was incredible. 
the just it was so much fun and it was really when he had started putting even more emphasis on 10th avenue freeze out yeah. so that was really cool to see him do all of that and just how they had how they reworked certain parts of it and then also eddie vetter played was there and played as well so to see eddie vetter and tom morello on the same stage was really freaking cool because even though i'm not a big pearl jam fan i do understand their impact on music and so being able to see them play was really fun yeah that that sounds really good what are your thoughts on letter to you i like it It, i'm more i like let's see i I really like that there's a lot of old cuts on there that they redid um i letter to you to me is what wrecking ball was and what western stars was and even you know not the rising because the rising in my opinion, The Rising is the best, newest album. But he, I find them almost poppy, which isn't really a bad thing. I like them, but mm-hmm. I like the more Janie's Got a Shooter, things like that. Songs songs closer to his, I want to say, Darkness Tunnel of Love styling of music is what I like. And full confession, I haven't listened to Letter to You in about six months. I've been stuck on Tunnel of Love or Darkness is where I've been listening to right now. Okay, that's where you... Tunnel of Love is one of my favorite albums. In fact, um, I don't agree with this, but I ordered the sticker. Someone sent me a list that said, Tunnel of Love is better than Born to Run, and I'm tired of apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I would change, and this is... there. Everyone was ranking the albums a few mm-hmm. months ago. And so what I did is I put a spreadsheet together with every album and every track. And then I put an X to the tracks that I go, Oh, I, I never skip this one. And mm-hmm. then I figured percentage wise of which of the albums do I like the most of the albums. And so mm-hmm. it, and I don't remember it now, but it like darkness and born to run were a little bit lower than that. But mm-hmm. my first Springsteen show was 2002. So I have great affection for the rising magic mm-hmm. wrecking ball. So I think it all depends. It's like the doctor. When you find the doctor is usually your doctor. There are people that it's Eccleson. There, mm-hmm. there are people that adore Capaldi and Jody yep. because that was their first doctor. And it's mm-hmm. that something that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I saw my favorite. Even though Wrigley was my favorite concert, my favorite mm-hmm. experience was my dad took me out of school in seventh grade and drove me to Indianapolis, and we saw him because his friend okay. backed out on him. Okay. And I was walking into the uh, into the concert, and my dad said, so "What songs do you want to hear tonight?" And the first song that came out of my mouth, for whatever reason, was like Rosalie, and mm-hmm. some guy was walking behind it. I don't behind us i don't know the truth to any of this because this was all on the rising and he said well that'll be a treat because he hasn't played rosalita and then he ended up playing rosalita in concert so that was like really cool now whether or not that's actually a valid statement because i haven't gone back and like fact checked any of this or any of that but to have that be said and then they play rosalita as one of the encore songs i absolutely lost my mind i couldn't tell you the rest of the set list or what else was on there because i know it was the rising but I, it was that was an unbelievable for what 13 year old me to experience that was really fun mark my first show was in 2002 then i didn't miss a tour except devils except seeger session they weren't coming anywhere close to dallas and mm-hmm. i just decided i didn't want to travel 
uh, because I didn't care for the album that much. Then found out that I missed something experience like this wonderful experience because the senior sessions my buddy said was as close to a religious experience Mm -hmm. he's ever had but the first seven shows i went to um he didn't do thunder road really yeah yeah so i've actually been to a concert where he hasn't played thunder road yeah and and so then my next 11 or 12 he's played it every night so, but it was at that 2002 till that, and the first time was at, the first time I heard Thunder Road was at the NCA tournament that he did that free show that was at night. Mm-hmm. That was, I think that was the first time I heard Thunder Road. And the only song I've never missed is The Rising. He has played The Rising right. at every show I've attended. And it just, I think it's based because when I started following him, mm-hmm. but like he did the rising at the devils and dust he didn't mm-hmm. do born to run and he's done born to run every other show but mm-hmm. not that one so that's cool i um, can't actually remember the last time i saw him play the Rising, which is i saw him on the rising tour in st louis in yeah. new jersey and songs which was really cool for seventh grade me but i want to say the last time i saw him play the rising was when he redid the river tour yeah uh, yeah that might be yeah 2016 right yeah 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 i think the last time you've seen him yeah yeah probably that and that was the last time i think i saw him do the rising then and then i hadn't seen before then since uh, yeah for a while i hadn't seen him Mm -hmm. for a while yeah well cool you've talked already about how much you love a ton of love and darkness tell me some more what are some of your favorite albums what are your favorite songs you mentioned how much badland it clicked for you my story about that is I was on the river tour where he was redoing, doing the river completely and Independence Day went from, oh, that's a decent song to, oh my God, I can't mm-hmm. believe how good this song is. I've been mm-hmm. asleep this whole time. So how about you? Yeah. What are songs and stuff that have spoke to you? I, my, what I, I find that the river album to me is like leftover tracks from both Nebraska and from darkness they're just tracks that really didn't have a place on those albums that he put in there and then he added the he added the river and a couple of things i really enjoy that album that's that those the three concerts that i saw and those were my probably my least favorite concerts that i'd seen with them my favorite song beyond beyond belief is youngstown and i think a lot of that is just how heavy and how the pace of it and that you can't deny Niels on his guitar solo and I got really lucky when I saw him play that because he played I think he played Seeds and then Youngstown into that which was the first time that I had seen it the first time that I'd seen either one of those songs actually I really wish he had played Death to My Hometown like when I saw that tour he had played all three of those together because I think all three of those really fit the same like tone mm-hmm. um to me as a complete album my favorite is Darkness and then probably Tunnel I really like Born to Run, with the exception of a couple songs on there. There's only eight songs, so it's hard to really say that you don't like Born to Run. There's only eight songs on the album. And I I really like certain tracks off of Greetings. Um, I Actually, my favorite thing to listen to is the Madison Square Garden tour okay. that he did in 2000, or when their comeback tour. Yeah. And they got lost yeah. in the, yeah, you got Lost in the Flood on there, the live version of that, 41 Shots, all of that stuff. That was actually the first concert that I saw because my dad had a video cassette of it. So that's the first okay. time I ever saw any concert. But yeah, I 
stay in that area. I appreciate a lot of his other music for whatever reason. Those songs and those just overarching storylines in those albums really just grabbed me where I've hung out for the last 20 years. Is there a third generation Springsteen fan? How are the how are your how are the children with embracing uh, Bruce? I, I would seriously doubt that. Okay, um, <laughs> I got I have to wait till my my youngest son gets able to actually understand music to kind of the eighteen year old's got a mind of his own, and my ten year what her mom does. So what I love this Penn Gillette was talking on his podcast that. He believes that is the way rock and roll is supposed to be. He said, your kids shouldn't love classic rock when they're mm-hmm. a teenager. Rock and roll is about rebellion. They find their own music. And then maybe later they discover mm-hmm. Dylan or Springsteen or whoever. So that's fair enough. I had a cousin once who loved dirt bites. Mm-hmm. He just loved them so much. And we were talking at a family reunion and he said that his none of his kids can stand dirt biking anymore four wheeling <laughs> any of it they just hate it he said but i got three grandkids that i'm just waiting to get them <laughs> i yep. may have to skip a generation so you've got the new ones and mm-hmm. who knows maybe in years, you know and grandpa can go come here let me show you what good music is <laughs> yeah I, I, unfortunately i have been probably the most consistent springsteen fan in my family and that includes yeah. with my father yeah i think i still have all of the books and everything that my dad was angrily going to throw out when he started canceling shows in south carolina and ah okay and my, my mom was like no mark come get these yeah and then my dad every once in a while you still got those yeah i still got them okay good because i think i might want to read one again like, <laughs> okay great he unfortunately my dad is not a political person but when he got really upset when all that stuff was going on and i was like I don't understand how that has any opinion on you liking his music or not, but okay. Yeah. yeah. There are people. There are, I've had people on this podcast and people I interact with on social media that I used to like him until he got political. And then I make the argument, have you been listening to his music? <laughs> He's right, always right. been political, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And my dad works with underprivileged youth in St. Louis. And yeah. he's like, this is what he's been talking about for years is kids just that are born into the world betrayed and how they have to figure it out Mm -hmm. um which is what i think that's one of the reasons why a lot of those older albums get to me because that's what he had talked to me and even with dealing with the people that i deal with at work now it's understanding a lot of what they come through is something that they can't control which is what a lot of stuff that you're talking about lost in the flood ragamuffin gunner is returning home like a hungry runaway yeah, that's a very true statement for a lot of people that have to come back from war or come back just from losing their job or they just lost everything and now they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, I, that's well said. Very well said. So, Mark, are there songs you're chasing? Are there songs that you still you've not got to hear live? Yes, that's hard for me to I got to think about this for a hot sure. second. I think I've been very fortunate with the fact that I've seen the Born to Run tour. So I've seen that played front to back. I've seen the River Tour, seen that played front to back a couple of different times. Yeah. Um, so I just haven't, I think a lot of it has come down to seeing, you know, like Priest or Janie Has a Shooter or something yeah. like that off of the new album. Off of the older stuff, I have not seen Lost in the Flood yet, which I would I would give 
all the yep. money that I have or right, would yeah. touch to see him play yep. that again. And that's off the top of my head, those are the ones that I can think of right now because even when I'm going back through my catalog of like favorite songs, I can't think about ones that I missed. I'd like to see him play the river front to back with me understanding more of it. Or not yeah. the river, the rising front to back yes. with me understanding yeah. more of it now. Because there were just so many songs on there that were so powerful that I didn't quite grasp as I was in sixth grade when the tr- when the towers went down. So I, I didn't understand, you know, nothing, man. Even the rising to begin, I didn't understand all of those songs. So I, my first show was the rising and I had just casually listened to it. I had not, I had not done my homework. Yeah. Like when I went to Devils and Dust, I knew every song, Devils and Dust, anything he played on that album, I was going to know. I was going to know the words. I was going to do anything. So I would love to get, like, I just someone recently gave me the bootleg of that show in Dallas, and mm-hmm. I'm listening to it. Damn it. <laughs> Can I go back in the TARDIS and watch this again with the awareness of, oh, I know what I'm getting? Yeah. Um, I love Mary's Place. I know some people don't, but I, it reminds me, I grew up, my grandparents owned a dairy farm and we would always be on the front porch during the fall shelling peas or shucking corn and just the sense of family out on mm-hmm. that front porch. It just makes me think of this time. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I get that. I That would be really cool. Good. Yeah, that's, a, I liked, I really enjoyed Mary Place because that's when you got to meet the band on the tour. Yes, and that was because I hadn't seen them on tour. I got to see every person in, in individually. So uh, my dad couldn't stand the song, though. So I, I definitely see both sides of yeah, it. Yeah, no, there is a lot of there is a lot of old school oh, that do feel that way. Yeah, is there anything? Are there any stories you've got that I forgot to ask you about? Anything that I we should address that we didn't cover? <laughs> Not that I can really think of. It's uh, okay. Just something that, like I said, it's been constant in my life for the entirety of since I can remember. So it's you know, yeah. even when I'm driving down the highway and something comes on, I'll get, I have my XM radio set to just where it pops up. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll listen to that today. Mm-hmm. So I don't even I don't even listen to the to his actual station. I wait till it comes on to different stuff so I can hear what other stations. Oh. Yeah, it's just been yeah. I find it's not the same songs all over and over, which is mm-hmm. kind of what I, I like the rough cuts, not the rough cuts, but the more yeah. off the beaten track song. Yeah, I get you. Good. I always like to end, I end every episode with the Mary question. Mm-hmm. If you're a friend of Mark's or Mark's coworkers or family and you're listening to this, the Mary question is um, Jay Armstrong, who retired in as a high school teacher, but when he was teaching, he would give his class the lyrics to Thunder Road. They would break it down as if it was a poem, and then he would ask them at the end of that class, does Mary get in the car? So, Mark, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? In my experience, when you say somebody's a beauty, or they ain't a beauty, but hey, they're all right, they're not necessarily getting in the car with you. I think that's a fair. (laughs) However, I think that they... I think that they drive off together because it, it just, the way everything's laid out in the song is, you know, hey, this is all we got tonight. Let's go ahead and make this happen. Yeah. All right. Nice. Good deal. If uh, someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? I have my Twitter and my Instagram. So I think they're the same handle. Let me double check for it, though. Okay. 
my inst or my Twitter handle is officer who 89 and then my Instagram handle officer who 0925. So Very nice. um, those are the best ways to reach out to me. Mark, thank you for joining me. This was a blast. I appreciate you. Any final words? No, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was a great, you're a wonderful guest. We got to do this again. Uh, good luck. I hope you make Chicago. Uh, I'm going and, to know, try to. Good. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you, listener. Go out there, be safe, be kind, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of links where you can reach me and give me feedback. So if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, SetLustingBruce. You can send me 46942. I am currently doing a few other podcasts. Perfectly Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gags. And then finally, How Many Podcast, the only podcast that, that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. Go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rate for all of the podcasts. It's okay if you don't listen to them. If you subscribe and rate, it will make my day better. Thank you. And I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only settlers. The theme for Settlers was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.